This is We Need to Talk About Sam, a podcast where a supernatural superfan and a supernatural newbie discuss every single episode of the hit CW show. This week, we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 13, Route 666. I'm Kenzie. I'm Haley. And we need to talk about Sam. supposed to cover this episode last week uh in addition to faith but we i got tired i'm sorry <laughs> we finished <laughs> our coverage of faith and then i went to the bathroom and Haley laid down on my bed and uh if Passed i up. hadn't if i hadn't gotten her up quickly she would have fallen asleep <laughs> all right so today we are covering route 666 and this is an episode that i think like bugs gets a lot of shit from the fandom. Well, it's not as bad as I remembered it being. But it's really good. And I actually, I discussed this with some of my friends in one of the many discords that I'm in. Um, one of the ones I'm most active in, actually. Um, and I was like, I, I went and I was like, I just finished watching Route 666 for our podcast. And that was actually really good. I actually enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, <laughs> I think mean, it's, it's not as good as Faith, but. No, no. Like, you put it next to Faith, and it doesn't hold a candle to it. Um, who wrote this episode? This is the one person you didn't like. I think it's Buck Lemming. I think it's their only season one episode. Um, maybe? Yeah, yeah. That's a shocker that I actually liked this episode, because this episode was written by Eugenie Ross Lemming and Brad Buckner, who are known colloquially in the fandom did i just use colloquially right i don't even know um they're known in the fandom as buck lemming um eugenie ross lemming is married to robert singer who is one of the executive producers and brad buckner is part of the writing team who um usually partners with her on episodes but they um they wrote this episode together for season one, and then they... Didn't write again until season seven? Yeah. Wow. Um, so they joined Supernatural as freelancers in the first season, departed the series after season one, and then in season seven, returned to Supernatural in a writing capacity, becoming consultant producers in season eight, co-executive producers in season nine, and executive producers in season 12. So, um, but it is their kind of known within the fandom for not having great episodes. Um, their episodes actually like often involve themes like sexual abuse and are really kind of cobbled together and uh, just they, it, honest to god it feels like they wrote this episode for season one and they didn't pay any attention to the show until they like came in for season seven because they often <laughs> Um, they're some of the writers that, if I'm remembering correctly, are most con- they most- they're the most likely to be the ones guilty of retconning things, um, which is where they basically rewrite canon, because- mm-hmm. and they- they're not very great at continuity, character like continuity, that. things like that, so- but this episode is actually pretty good. 
for a book. It's not one of the strongest in season one, but it's not terrible. No, no. Well, I was a lot of good things in it too. I was, um, I was talking to my friends in the Discord, and I mentioned that I was like, this episode is not nearly as bad as I remember, and they mentioned, I wonder if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it. It was in episodes, I think. Let me just search Route Six Six Six. Um. Here we go. Let's go to this. So. Um. So what I said in the Discord is Route Six 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 is um an episode that's not nearly as bad as everyone acts like it is. Maybe I'm mistaken. Um. Because. Uh, I am very white. I grew up in Utah, and I'm not 100% an expert on racial issues in any way, shape, or form. But I rewatched it the other day and was like, why does everyone act like this is the worst thing Supernatural ever did when Family Feud exists, which is another Buck Lemming episode and is a big yikes. And my friend, um, Sherry, uh responded and said, I think it's a great episode. I've always been a little frustrated by a largely white audience acting like a haunted racist truck is a stupid concept. Haunted vessels are a staple of horror, which is true. Dean even mentions a really famous one yeah. within the episode. Actually, um, when I was researching lore, it I was actually able yeah. to find a lot more about yeah. it than Did I thought. Did you? Okay, yeah. cool. Um, it's just to hear that. People only thought it was stupid when applied to systemic racism, and I've seen a lot of people come around on it in the past year. No person of color needed to have it explained that a racist in a pickup truck is a terrifying concept. Yeah. And that explains it perfectly. I think just the audience of Supernatural is very white. Um, and they just didn't understand. They thought that, 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 the, that could be I, scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and played it off as, oh, Buck Lemming doing something dumb. But it it is a genuinely pretty decently written episode. It's not. It's not Faith. <laughs> it's not uh it's not home it's not nightmare you know but it's still a good episode and i think it's got some really good um brother moments we get some good dean stuff uh yeah and cassie's pretty badass i, I like love her cassie. <laughs> i love cassie but okay so we are in oh my gosh where are we in missouri um cape Gerardo, I think is how he discovered it was pronounced. We actually Googled this (laughs) last time we were filming because I wanted to make sure, and then we didn't end up recording. Cape Gerardo. Gerardo, some, I think that's how it's pronounced. Cape Gerardo. Cape Gerardo. Thank you. (laughs) In Missouri. Uh, And we open on a black man who we will learn is Cassie's father. Uh He's driving down a dark road when a huge truck, like this truck is fucking massive. It's a monster truck. <laughs> Literally. Um, it starts chasing him. Said, this is the kind of truck that if it drove past me on the highway, I'd start singing um, the Tiny Penis song from TikTok <laughs> that I can't remember the tune of now. <laughs> this is the kind of truck that makes me go, hmm, yep. someone's compensating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, turns out they kind of are. It turns out this dude was, yeah. yeah. But it's... Anyway, I wrote sneaky monster truck. <laughs> it's not... It just kind of appears out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean... It is a ghost truck. It's a ghost. But still. <laughs> it's a ghost truck. <laughs> um, but yeah, the truck starts chasing him, starts like, ah, uh, this is the thing that I'm always scared of having happen when people tailgate me, where they like bump against the against your bumper 
and they're like trying to edge you on and I cannot imagine especially because it's very clear that he recognizes this truck especially like going back and rewatching it I'm like oh he knows Mm. this truck yeah this isn't just a random truck he knows this truck and that is even scarier um, but yeah, starts bumping against the, his, the back of his car. They actually reuse a shot in this, which I noticed, <laughs> but that's okay. They take a shot from season five and reuse it in season 11, so we'll forgive this one. <laughs> I think it kind of has that um, fear that I think a lot of people have is like, we're getting like followed by a, ca- a car, you know? Uh-huh. Especially- like they're following where you're going, they're egging you on, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a scary thing. That happened to my mom in college. Oh, that sounds terrifying. Just yeah. just the idea alone of a bigger, more powerful vehicle, you, you don't know, know, attacking the back of your little tiny car is scary. You don't know if they're just egging you on or if they're meaning actual harm. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's scary. Just that idea alone is scary. And then you throw in the fact that this- as we will learn later in the episode, this truck belonged to a racist serial killer that this man, Cassie's father, had a hand in yeah. killing. Like, that makes it even scarier. Like, you, you, you pile on what is already a completely valid fear, in my opinion. I mean, maybe it's just because we're women and we're naturally a little more paranoid of things. It's how we've been... Um, Men don't seem to understand. What's the word? As... The I'm mo- looking the for sort of fear that you have to live in as a woman. But yeah, it's the it's been like ingrained in us in our upbringing. This mm-hmm. these fears, um, that that lo- perfectly logical fear alone, and then you add on top of it the supernatural the, yeah. or the racism aspect and the supernatural aspect of this dude is fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, that's a scary. That's scary. scary. Yeah, that's scary. Um, but yeah, the truck starts urging him to go faster, and then it disappears. Mm-hmm. And then it reappears in front of him. <laughs> I think that's when I wrote sneaky truck. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the guy, um, Cassie's dad, flips his car around. The truck chases him and um, chases him right off of, off the road. I did make a note. I said, I know this is supposed to be a ghost truck, but I think I saw the stunt driver in the truck <laughs> for a second. <laughs> I mean, technically, there is a driver. The guy's yes. ghost is, like, meshed with his manifesting as his truck. Yeah. I don't fully understand that. I'm sure we'll get deeper into it once we get to the lore part. Does that mean he's driving the truck as a ghost, or he is, he's become the truck as a ghost? That's a really question. Dean compares it to the Flying Dutchman, where he, like, Mm -hmm. is the ship, but is also separate. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to discuss it when we get to that point. That was in Pirates. Like, one with the ship, one with the crew, or whatever. They, like, chant. (laughs) What was that that they chant? I don't know. In the last one? I haven't seen the last At one. At World's End. Well, let me look that up. Is At World's End the last one with Kira Knightley? It's the last of that trilogy, that first oh, trilogy. and yeah. I have seen it. It's just an, et- an eternity. I mean, I think we'd have to probably like look up the actual movie itself to find the quote. I don't know. Okay, um, should we continue on with this episode? <laughs> yes, I'm gonna keep looking into it though. Cause okay. It's gonna bug me. Okay, so um, where did I leave off? Oh, so Cassie's dad flips his car around. Uh, the truck chases him. It drives him off the road, and his car like flips and rolls. And I think it 
does it, I don't remember if it settles upside down or right side up, but, um, then as the right car, like, comes to a stop, um, the truck disappears into thin air. Like, we watch it, dis- it, like, starts to, like, back away, like, it's, like, gonna pull back, it's gonna back away and then drive off, and as it does so, it fades and disappears, which is honestly kind of a cool effect. Yeah. Watch this real quick. Yeah. Let me pause this. Oh. Alright. So it doesn't actually really <laughs> apply. <laughs> I thought they said something else. Okay. They're talking about um, Will as he dies and he's going to become the next captain. Yeah. Um, he's now part of the crew, but yeah. Yeah. It's been a neat time part of the ship since though. I saw that movie. Yes, part of the ship, part of the crew. Yeah. Um, okay, so. We found it. <laughs> she found it. It wasn't applicable. But oh, kind of is. Kind of is. Yeah, a bit. He's part of the ship, part of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Okay. So, why are the boys going to Pennsylvania at the beginning of this episode? I don't remember. Why were they going to Pennsylvania? I have in my notes that Sam is planning their trip to Pennsylvania. I guess for a hunt, I think they're going to hunt something in Pennsylvania at the beginning of this episode when Cassie calls Dean. We don't, like, hear the phone call, but Dean says they're going to help an old friend who thinks that her father's death is their kind of thing. Uh, Sam says, uh, Sam asks him, like, what kind of old friend? And Dean's like, a friend that's not new. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Really helpful. Yes, yes. But Sam pries into it, and he learns that Dean dated Cassie for a couple weeks while she was at college in Ohio. Um... And Sam pushes a little further, and Dean reveals that he told Cassie the family secret. Uh, and Sam is a little pissed, because <laughs> he lied to Jess for a year and a half, but Dean tells a girl he's gone out with for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how long they actually dated for, because Dean says it was a few weeks, but, like, he, I mean, not that, not that you can't like build a really strong relationship in a short amount of time but it definitely is implied that they had a much deeper relationship going on especially because later in the episode Cassie even says that like Dean was the guy that she thought she would be like making a life with like that doesn't sound like and Dean admits that he loves her yeah yeah they had they had directly admits (laughs) they had something really real yeah um but yeah we um, I think Sam is, uh, like, the reason why Sam's a little upset about this is understandable, because Dean was giving him shit for not telling Jess, mm-hmm. and he was like, you, you didn't, And they Jess dated for know. such a long time, too. They dated for, yeah, apparently a year and a half before she died, and he could have saved her if he told her, and he didn't, and meanwhile, Dean told Cassie, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting dynamic. But Dean, I think Sam, once Sam meets Cassie, and he's like, okay, okay. She's cool. She's cool. <laughs> I like her. She's got sass. You are taking my hand that I need to scroll through my notes, my love. Too bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> You're cute. I like holding your hand. I know. You're so cute. Um, but yeah, so we go to the newspaper office, um, and we learn that apparently two men have been killed on the same stretch of road in three weeks. One of these men is Cassie's father. And I wrote the newspaper editor, but we'll actually find out later in the episode that this is the mayor. He doesn't want to print something specific. I didn't take very good notes, and I don't remember what it is he didn't want to print. Yeah, I thought he was the editor, too, for a long time. Um, yeah. Okay, so Cassie's father is one of the men who was killed, and his best friend Clayton was the other man who was killed. So... Do, 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 do. But Cassie and the editor of the paper, Jimmy, want to run something specifically tying the deaths together. And the mayor of the town refuses to do it. He also refuses to close that road, which I guess is the only road in and out of town. Mm-hmm. I think he says later in the episode. But um, this is where Sam and Dean come in. They witness this interaction and they meet up with Cassie. Sam gets introduced. It is immediately clear that Dean and Cassie still have feelings for each other. Yeah. <laughs> there is some unresolved tension going on. Uh, <laughs> and some immediate chemistry. <laughs> and yeah, they have really great t- chemistry. Also, Cassie is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, I said, damn, hi, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this actress is stunning. She has great hair, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing hair. And great skin. Yeah. I, I'm very jealous of people with very good skin. Me too. And I mean, there's movie magic and makeup and all that <laughs> stuff. But some people also just naturally have really good skin. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, that's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> Someone who's always dealt with chronic acne since a teenager, it's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> um, okay. So Cassie takes the boys back to her house where she tells them that their her dad was talking about seeing an awful black truck following him around in like the days before his death. Uh, it would appear and re- disappear and reappear. Um, and she talks about his car after, when it was found after he died, it was dented on the back like something had hit it, but there was only one set of tire tracks Mm. going off the road. Um, and uh, the Clayton's death, the previous death, was the same situation. Um. Clayton, did he die before... He died before the dad. Yeah. Okay. So Cassie is really skeptical about all this ghost stuff. Did we ever get the dad's name? I think we did later. Let me remember his name. It was Martin. Right? Yes. Yes. It's Martin. Thank you. Thank you. Stop calling him Cassie's dad. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't remember his name. (laughs) His name is Martin. Okay. So Clayton was the first death. Um, and then Martin was the second death, and Martin is Cassie's father. Um, Cassie is super skeptical. She even says this, that she, like, doesn't believe in this ghost stuff. She doesn't know what to think about it all, but she she figured it was worth a shot. (laughs) Yeah, she figured it was worth a shot because she can't explain what happened, and she knows that it didn't go down the way that the investigators are saying it went down, that it Mm -hmm. was not an accident. So, um, we briefly meet Cassie's mom. I think her name is Aubrey? Audrey. Um, Cassie's mom, Audrey. Um, Cassie introduces the boys to her. Dean asks Audrey if they can talk, and she says she's not up to it. 
Um, but it's a little bit awkward when Cassie introduces Dean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As I wrote, Cassie is me when I introduce my gay friends to my family. Like, we met at college. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lie. They did meet when she was at college. It's hard to explain online stuff to old people. Yes, yes. <laughs> but also, I think she just doesn't want to get into the fact that the Dean, is her, the Dean is her ex. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um... Alright, but from here we go to another car crash, um, and we just, we don't even see the truck, like, tracing the car down or anything, um, we just see Jimmy, the editor of the newspaper, um, dead in his car, and we see the same truck, and it, like, revs its engine, like a man with a tiny dick does, uh, <laughs> Wait, it killed um, the editor too. Yeah, I don't remember that. He's the third death. They is go he, to the was crimes. he uh, black as well? Uh huh. Huh. He's not the white guy that's telling them not to run the story. Right. That's, that's the, mayor. the mayor. He's the other guy that was with Cassie in that scene. He's he's sh- he was shorter. Oh yeah yeah okay yeah that's yeah. Jimmy. I forgot he died too. Yeah. <laughs> I must um, have been writing when, notes during that part. When Dean goes back to Cassie's house alone she's working on like a tribute to him that the paper's mm. gonna run okay and she talks about how he was the first black editor of the newspaper in oh, this town. okay yeah um but yeah we see jimmy dead in his car and we see the truck um like up on the road and then it like fades away and disappears again so and then we cut to the next morning um and this is where we find out that the dude that I wrote in earlier in my notes as being the newspaper editor is actually the mayor, and the <laughs> newspaper editor is now dead. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> but yes, um, Sam and Dean go to the the scene of the accident, and, like, meet Cassie there. Um, and she is telling the mayor that they should be closing the road. Um... She's like, why aren't we, like, you're not protecting anybody. Three black men have died on the same stretch of highway in three weeks. Like, at least close the road. And he's like, well, it's the only road in and out of town, which is valid, but, you know. And she does act. (laughs) It is. I think it's a pretty small town. Um, Something interesting that he says is that he tells Cassie that he's the last person she should be accusing of being racist and to ask her mom to explain why. Um, and we will actually find, get an explanation for that line later, but it's a yeah. very interesting line that sticks out. Yeah. Um, but this is when Sam and Dean show up. And they immediately dive in. Dean is like, well, did you see if the car was pushed, pushed off the road? Is there denting on the back bumper? And the <laughs> mayor's like, who the fuck are these kids? <laughs> They say they're um, insurance agents, right? I think so. I, Which I No, re- they, they tell the, the other guys later they're insurance agents, but I don't know what they tell the, um... Oh. The, uh... Have we not mayor. gotten to that part I think yet? they... I think Kathy just says they're family friends or something like that. But... Then, then we get a little scene of them in the, the hotel getting dressed in their suits and doing their ties, which is not a kind of scene we usually get. Usually... <clears throat> or in later seasons... Those sorts of scenes get skipped over entirely. Like, we never get them changing and getting ready to go places. They're already there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but Sam is, uh, 
<laughs> Sam is poking fun at Dean for the way he keeps behaving around Cassie. He's being a shitty little brother. It's his job. <laughs> uh, I think it's really cute. <laughs> but yeah, he's giving Dean some shit for uh, for clearly still crushing hardcore on Cassie. <laughs> and this is where they go and meet up with, I guess, some of Jimmy's old friends, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think there's some of Jimmy's friends. And this is where they pretend to be insurance agents. I just agents. love the name the Dean Joe's. <laughs> Because it sounds like the mashup of three different insurance companies. It probably was. It's all National Mutual. Yeah, that is 100% a mashup of three different insurance Which companies. Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, you get Allstate, uh, Mutual Insurance, and what's the national one? Um, I don't remember. My brain just blanked on it. But yeah, it's a, that's, it is a 100% a mashup. <laughs> all National Mutual. They, can, they have to make up their own company names, you know? So, which I like it. But this is where they learn... Um, that Jimmy had also been seeing a big black monster truck leading up to his death, and they learned that back in the 60s, there was a string of black men killed who were said to have disappeared in a big black truck. Um, which is where Dean... This is where we get a reference to the Flying Dutchman. Um, uh, because Dean speculates that it's, like... They, and he's correct that it's a driver who is attached to his car, but they have to figure out who the guy was, how like how, how this all happened, you know, so mm-hmm. they can find the car. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, the body. body. Jinx. <laughs> you owe me a kiss. <laughs> 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 Forget soda. Who needs soda when you can have kisses? <laughs> um... Do we want to go a little into the Flying Dutchman here, or do we want to wait until we get to the the lore scene? Um, I didn't it? research the Flying Dutchman at all. But I have a wiki link to the Flying Dutchman. Let me open it. I mean, there is a whole ghost ship episode in season mean... three, I believe. But yes, yes. Um, open link. Thank you, Google Chrome. So, for those who do not know, who have never seen Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, <laughs> which is how we all know our Flying Dutchman. <laughs> yes, yes. Knowledge. So, the Flying Dutchman is a legendary ghost ship, which was said to never be able to make port, doomed to sail the oceans forever. The myth is likely to have originated from the 17th century golden age of the Dutch East India Company and Dutch maritime power. The oldest extent version of the legend has been dated to the late 18th century, and according to the legend, if hailed by another ship, the crew of the Flying Dutchman was said to try to send messages to land or to people long dead. Purported sightings in the 19th and 20th centuries claimed that the ship glowed with a ghostly light. In ocean lore, the sign, uh, uh, the sight of this phantom ship is a portent of dune. Or Dune. <laughs> Doom. Wow, I was doing so good and I ruined it right at the end. But yeah, so the first print reference of the ship appears in Travels in Various Parts of Europe, Asia, and Africa during a series of 30 Years and Upward, written in 1790 by John MacDonald. There's lots of literary references to it, reported sightings, um, stuff like that. It makes a lot of appearances in artwork, in TV and comics, in film, most uh, famously in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, the ship made its first appearance in Dead Man's Chest on the command of the fictional Captain Davy Jones. 
um, the story and attributes of the ship were inspired by the actual Flying Dutchman of nautical lore. So, um, but yeah, Dean makes a reference to that, and he explains it as like um, apparently trivia and references. Um, uh, where did it go? Well, they don't have a, a thing for it in the super wiki. Wow. It's interesting because oh, this episode would have come out kind of the same time Pirates was coming out, too. Oh my god, it would have. Both kind of the same year. Yeah. This came out in January of 2006, so probably before Pirates. <laughs> the same year um, that Dead Man's Chest came out. Yeah, so the quote is, uh, Dean says, you heard of the Flying Dutchman. Sam says, a ghost ship infused with the captain's evil spirit. It was basically a part of him. Dean says, so what if we're dealing with the same thing? You know, a phantom truck, an extension of some bastard's ghost reenacting past crimes. Um, Sam says, the victims have all been black men. And Dean says, I think it's more than that. They all seem connected to Cassie and her family, which is true. Um, They are all connected to Cassie and her family. Do you want me to go into... My lore now too. Um, or do you want to wait? Let's wait until we get to the the part where they dig in, where they go over the like, the ghost lore. Okay. If you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Sam pokes some more fun at Dean here, <laughs> and this is where Dean admits that he was more involved with Cassie than he originally told Sam that he was, and that he says he was stupid to get that close. Um, and Sam realizes that Dean was in love with Cassie. But he's like, if but you dumped her, and then Dean's like face, <laughs> like there's like a focus on Dean's face for a minute, and then Sam goes, ah, she dumped you, <laughs> um, which is true, she did because Dean freaked her out, because by telling her the truth. Um, but this is where Dean goes back to Cassie's house, and this is where she talks about how she's working on a tribute for Jimmy to run the paper, or to run in the paper about his his life. Um, becoming a, the one of the, I think he was the first black journalist that the newspaper had hired, and he was the first black editor too, and taught her all she knew. I think is what she says too, which is really sweet. Yeah, he was like her mentor at the paper. Um, they are so fucking awkward, <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. Um, but they, I, I don't remember exactly how, but this devolves into them fighting. Um yelling at each other. Dean, um, Cassie calls Dean out on avoiding being emotionally vulnerable. She points out that she's the one who closed the door between them. They argue about what happened. This leads to some kissing and then to the first sex scene of the show. Uh, and Which I'm, is interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting sex scene. I made a note that this is the, I'd say this is the second most intense sex scene we get. It's not as athletic as Sam and Madison. But it's very passionate. <laughs> and some weird nipple sucking. There is a bit of nipple play. <laughs> there is a shot where she like ducks down his chest and there is nowhere else she could have gone based off like where on his chest she was located. It, it's weird. Um, <laughs> Don't know why that choice was made, but okay. It's a choice. It is a choice. <laughs> it's a choice. Uh, something very interesting that seemed reminded me of, Jensen has talked before, Jensen has been, been doing sex scenes in TV shows basically his whole career. He's got his start on um, Days of Our Lives. It's like he, That was like his big break. He's done these forever and ever. Um, 
and he is talked at a convention and I don't remember what convention it is or what interview or what so if anybody in our listeners knows please send me uh, a link to the YouTube video or article or wherever it is he says this uh, so I can include it in the show notes because I can't remember where it is but he talked about how he always tries to focus during um, sex scenes on making sure that his partner is comfortable and covered and (laughs) he has a couple more throughout the show um I think two more specifically and he's always he's like he talked about making sure that he's between her and the camera that she's always feels comfortable and safe because sex scenes are incredibly awkward to do I can't and they usually (laughs) they usually do what's called a closed set which is the actors the camera operator the director if needed the sound guy Mm -hmm. you know yeah and like it is bare minimum the people who are absolutely needed in the room to run equipment. It would be really awkward <laughs> to do it in front of a bunch of people. Exactly. So. Yeah, <laughs> that is why they do it. It's it, Sex scenes are one of the scenes that are most often a closed set um, for that because it is awkward. <laughs> it's awkward as hell. <laughs> um, um, sex scenes and like emotionally vulnerable scenes, sometimes they'll do a close set for those. I actually worked on a project where we did a close set for a scene where they, it was just the director and the camera operator and the boom mic guy circled around the actors where they were sitting and everyone else was sent way far away so that the actress um, could really feel safe get it delving into those really deep emotions um it's actually something that a director can do to make an to really help an actor feel safe and comfortable on their set but yeah jensen also like tries to go an extra mile and make his partners for those scenes feel as comfortable and as safe as possible which is just more proof that he's just such a good guy yeah jensen is very chivalrous (laughs) he's such a sweetheart um they use a great song during this scene they use She Brings Me Love by Bad Company. Uh, if you've watched this episode on Netflix, it's Paradise by Sharif is how I, th- I think how you pronounce that. But She Brings Me Love is a much better choice. Um, <laughs> I think I was going to write a note about Jensen talking about trying to take extra care and precaution with his partners during those scenes, but I just wrote, Jensen has talked about, and then ended the sentence. <laughs> you got distracted. <laughs> Probably by taking more notes. Um, but yeah, we cut to, I guess, the next morning? Yeah. Or, I guess, maybe it's, because it's really dark in Cassie's house when Dean goes over there. Maybe the, she's a the, vampire the, like you. <laughs> the time of this is a little weird. I got the impression it was nighttime. I thought it was nighttime, too. Um, and but then we cut to the mayor, and it's daytime, and then we cut back to Dean and Cassie's house, and it seems like it's nighttime again. So I think maybe it was supposed to be nighttime, but the way they, like, edited, edited. the episode together makes the timeline of it a little bit wonky. Yeah. But we watched the mayor get chased and hit by the evil truck in broad daylight. The evil truck. <laughs> I didn't know what to call it. I like the monster truck. The monster truck. He gets... He gets chased and hit. The racist truck. (laughs) Thrown off the road by the monster truck in broad daylight, which is escalation if I've ever seen it. Yeah. Oh, also he went to the Prometheus School of Running Away from Things. 
<laughs> There's a Cinema Sins reference for our listeners. I haven't watched those videos in forever, but that is stuck in my head. I was, like, if you're getting chased by a truck, why would you keep running on the road? Like, go off-road and try and go into, like, the trees, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why you kept I running on the road. <laughs> so he could die. Yeah. Plot <laughs> yeah. convenience. Yeah. Um, but okay, so we cut back to Dean and Cassie, and they actually talk. They have a conversation, and Dean opens up a little bit, <laughs> and it's good. Good job, Dean. I'm proud of you. Um, they admit that they, Cassie says they were really good at fighting, uh, and then she, like, gestures to the both of them, and she's like, and we were really good at this, <laughs> but mostly fighting, um, but they weren't really good at other stuff. Uh, Dean says that he really did try, and he admits that she was the first person that he ever opened up to, like, outside of his family, especially. Mm-hmm. When they first fight, Cassie admits that Dean was the man that she saw herself making a future with, but during this scene, during their conversation, before, before Sam calls and interrupts them, um, she admits that she might have been looking for a reason to walk away. Um, uh, and Dean says that he's faced a lot in his life, which he has, <laughs> um, but that working things out with Cassie was too much for him. It was not something he was that he could do. And Cassie has a bit of wisdom that if people want to make it work, he will. <laughs> or they will. Sorry. <laughs> okay, if people want to make it work, they will. My brain was doing the um, <laughs> the thing that's in TikTok comments when, like, guys do cute things for their partners and people in the comments will be like, if he wanted to, he would. <laughs> that's what my brain is doing, which is about the same, is along the same lines. If someone is really passionate about the relationship they're in and they are really dedicated to the other person and they want to make it work, they'll make it work. And then Sam has perfect timing. <laughs> he calls with the news about the mayor. Um, Sam and Dean are doing research. Where do they go to do research? I didn't. The library. Are they know. at the library? I don't know. I don't remember. Um, We're in the hotel room. One of the two. Look at that, <laughs> that promo poster. I know, right? Sam with his hood up. <laughs> it's great. It's so early 2000s. It's adorable. It. Let me transcript. Here we go. Um, I think it would be... Oh, they're outside. <laughs> they're in a field. Um, Sam is talking oh. to a cop when Dean arrives. And Sam says tells the cop that Dean's with him. Um, and then asks where Sam was. Uh, where He says, where were you last night? You didn't make it back to the hotel. He's <laughs> 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 like, I guess you worked things out. And like, we're work- we'll be working things out when we're 90, is what Dean says. <laughs> um, uh, but this is where... Um, Sam like confirms that he's pretty sure the truck is the one that kill- is what killed the mayor and he says it's that the mayor bought the property a few weeks before um Dean's like Dean says when the mayor is white he doesn't fit the pattern and Sam says killing didn't happen on the road that doesn't fit either or 
so it's not on like the same road I guess so but we go to oh they're at the um they're at the newspaper office that's where they are yeah I couldn't figure out oh. I couldn't remember what they were they're at the newspaper office and this is where they learn that the mayor owned he bought the property that was owned by the Dorians who I think Cassie mentions earlier in the episode that the Dorians own the newspaper. Let me see. Um, the family owned the paper. The Dorians had a white-only policy, and after they sold it, Jimmy became the first black reporter, and he didn't stop until he became editor. That's her line earlier in the episode when Dean arrives at her house alone. Um, and we learn in this scene that the mayor bought the Do the Dorian's property and he bulldozed their family home on the 3rd and the next day the first man Clayton died. Um I literally made a note this is all very confusing and I'm going to have to check the wiki. <laughs> God. <laughs> it was going too fast for me to write down. Yeah. Um and we also learn so the mur the the murders that we learned were happening in the 60s. Around the time the murder stopped, one of the Dorians, Cyrus, went missing. Mm. Um, so let me go back to the transcript. So, oh, Dean is alone at Cassie's office when she learns this. Um, and they... Oh, this is when... No, sorry. I didn't scroll back down <laughs> to... Um, here we go. Okay, newspaper office. Yeah, Sam. Sam, yeah, Sam called the courthouse and found that the mayor's bought an abandoned property. The previous owner was the Dorian family for like 150 years. Um, Cyrus Dorian vanished in April of 63 and the case was investigated but never solved. It was right around the time of the string of murders uh, back then. And so the first thing Mayor Todd did when he bought the Dorian property was bulldoze the place uh, the day before Clayton was killed. Now things get a little simpler <laughs> because we go to... Back to Cassie's house? Yes, yes. And Cassie's alone. I think she's like, she's got a glass of something. Uh, and this is when the truck shows up. Um, and acts very scary. Yeah. Like, this is terrifying. This scene is genuinely really scary. At least for me. Um, I could understand why this scene would be very scary. Um, it drives around and, like, it, it's, like, keeps appearing at different, different windows. windows yeah. She's, like, closing the shutters and the blinds and stuff. Keeps revving and we see the headlights. And... Yeah. It's really oh. intense. It's actually really, really intense. It's shot and edited a little bit weirdly, but it still, like, keeps its intensity. Um, Cassie calls Dean. It's a harassing truck now. It's... <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cassie calls Dean, and we cut to Sam, Dean, Cassie, and Audrey, Cassie's mom, sitting down while Cassie explain in their, in their living room, while Cassie explains what happened. So obviously she had called them all <laughs> and yeah, told them yeah. what happened and to come well, over. Well, Sam was with Dean, so, yeah. and then her mom probably heard her screaming and came downstairs. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. I think they, they live, live in the, the same, same house. house. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cassie explains that she... Let me go back to the transcript. 
She didn't see who was driving the truck, um, and that it seemed to be nobody driving it. It was moving so fast, and then it was just gone. And it does seem... <laughs> Are you going to take a drink? <laughs> I'm going to leave that at in, actually. You know what? <laughs> You're fun. Okay. Um, Dean says, it seems like the truck, um, is trying to, like, scare people before it kills them. It wants to build the suspense. Uh, yeah, because, uh, Martin had seen it, right, mm-hmm. before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Sam turns to Audrey and is like, you're... Cassie said Martin saw the truck before he died, and she says, well, he was a lot of, he was under a lot of stress, um, you can't be sure what he was seeing. And Dean says, well, after tonight, I think we can be reasonably sure he was seeing a truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, your daughter could die. So if you know something now would be a good time to tell us. And this is where the truth all comes out. Um, and get a flashback. Sam asks if Martin knew who drew, who the truck belongs to and Audrey says he thought she he thought he did um and we learn that um Martin believed the truck was the one that belonged to Cyrus Dorian the man who went missing in 1963 Mrs. Robinson says um Cyrus died and she apparently she was dating Cyrus back then but at the same time she was secretly dating Martin uh I should probably note the Audrey Robinson, Cassie's mom, is white. So yes. I can imagine her dating Martin, a black man back then, would have been a yeah, interracial bit couples taboo. Weren't super. It wasn't. Yeah, looked yeah. well upon in certain no. areas during that time. In many areas, but especially in somewhere like Missouri, I would imagine. Um, and obviously, like both of us are very white, and are not experts on yeah. racial issues of any kind um but apparent so she broke up with cyrus and says that um after that happened he changed and they think that he was behind the murders back that were happening back then but nothing was ever done about it um audrey and martin were planning to get married in a church but they eloped instead and on the day they planned to get married Someone set fire to the church and killed the children's choir that was practicing inside of it, which is, in my opinion, one of the darkest backstories given <laughs> to a ghost in all of Supernatural. Yeah. It's def- there's definitely a darker one in a- another Buck Lemming episode in season 12, <laughs> but it's a pretty dark backstory. <laughs> it seems like an unnecessary... Detail? Detail. To yeah. just make Cyrus extra evil. Yeah, I mean, why did there have to be kids in there? He could have just burned down well, the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was... I would... I guess the... It's assumed that Cyrus... It's, like, kind of implied that Cyrus was the one who burnt down the church. Right. And I think she feels guilty because if they hadn't eloped, they would have been in the church that night. Right. And they would have died instead of... But because they eloped, the church wasn't needed for their wedding... So the children's choir was practicing. Did he not get the memo? (laughs) I guess not. Um, Yeah, it is a bit unnecessary. But it makes Cyrus extra evil. Um, And then after that happened, Cyrus came for Martin, started beating him up, but Martin gained the upper hand and killed Cyrus. 
and then he and his friends, including Jimmy and Clayton, um, or I think specifically Jimmy and Clayton, not not anyone else, the three of them, put Cyrus in his truck, rolled it into the swamp, and kept it a secret. And the mayor, um, the one who earlier in the episode told Cassie that he was the last person she should be accusing of being racist and to ask her mom why, he was a young deputy at the time and he figured out what happened but did nothing because he also knew what Cyrus had done. So it was kind of a vigilante justice. Yeah. A bit. This is such a heavy scene. Um, the actress who plays Audrey Robinson, um, she does a really good Kathleen job. Noon. She does a great job. She this scene is super, super deep and powerful. Um, but yeah, this is this is what we're dealing with. Is a man who um was broken up with by his girlfriend and started killing black men as a result or he this is actually a common thing for serial killers, is something kind of triggers them to act sometimes. Um, I think Bundy was tied to his fiance broke up, broke up with him, and it said that, a, that all of his victims like looked like her. Not all of them looked hmm. like her, but a lot of them did style their hair the same way she did. Interesting. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I saw a thing today my friend posted, um... Let me see if I can find it, because I just thought of it. Uh, Twitter, or Tumblr, load, please. Let me go to her blog. Because I just thought of it, because it's really accurate. Wow. Tumblr is struggling to load today. Come on. It's really having a hard time. Um, someone tweeted, um, I'm always a little mean to men because if you treat them like humans, they think you want to sleep with them. (laughs) (laughs) But then someone in the comments said, but if you're too mean, they just murder you. So it's a tricky balancing (laughs) act. (laughs) And that's exactly true. Yes. (laughs) And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just thought of that. (laughs) Lightening the mood on what Uh, is a very heavy, heavy scene. (laughs) Um, oh God. Oh just you almost murdered your laptop for the second time. <laughs> I almost murdered my laptop by a pop filter. Um, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is really, this is a really, really heavy backstory. Um, and it's honestly decently written. Mm-hmm. And the actress, Kathleen, does a very good job with it. Especially because this is a very exposition-y. We get some flashbacky stuff, which definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Um, feel it less like exposition and a little bit more storytelling, story. yeah. you know. But it's 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 very well, pretty well done scene. Um, but yeah, and this is where so the boys go outside and they kind of uh, talk things out together like they do, where like they lay out the facts with each other, and make sure they're both on the same page. And they, the bulldozing of the house is what awoke Cyrus's spirit. They're going to have to get the truck out of the swamp. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I guess this would be a good time to delve into ghost trucks. I just like Sam says, I miss conversations that didn't start with this killer truck. (laughs) Yes. It's a great line. (laughs) Um... But yeah, this is 
a like I had mentioned earlier, um, haunted vehicles are a very common horror trope. Would you like to delve into that, my love? Yep. Um, so I googled, um, like, ghost trucks, so phantom vehicle came up. <laughs> um, so it's purportedly ghostly or haunted vehicle, common urban legends in entertainment. Uh, the stories often describe vehicles that operate with no visible driver, and there have been some real-life witnesses, I wrote down a couple. There was like a whole Ooh. page of them. So I really? I wrote down two. <laughs> okay, well I'm definitely dropping, this link will be included in the show notes if it's, you're interested in checking this out yourself. It's Wikipedia. Um, Everything's Wikipedia, my love. <laughs> <laughs> Just Google it, you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still gonna include the, the link. Okay. If you would like to. It's the responsible thing to do. <laughs> Um, Tell us so, your real life witnesses. So some real life witnesses. Um, in 1982, two people in Lanakai, Hawaii, reported seeing a mysterious black car, which disappeared and reappeared again a second later. Okay. Um, 1960s, a car that had bumper stickers. The witnesses passed the car, but it mysteriously reappeared ahead of the witnesses' car at several spotlights. Um, and also the witness noticed that the driver was a man in his teens and that he never turned his head and he never moved the steering wheel. Um, and they said the man drove around the dead man's curve. I don't know what that means. Maybe hmm. it's a spot of road or something. I'm guessing a specific curve of highway or yeah. something, yeah. Um, in the early 1980s, a British motorist crashed his car in order to avoid a truck that suddenly appeared c coming straight towards him and then vanished. So that was interesting. Interesting, yeah. And um, some of this is from a different source, too, which is monsterfandom.com slash wiki. Um, the legends of ghost cars arose in the 20th century, predominantly in the American continent. Even so, in earlier times, legends of other ghost vehicles, such as ships or railroads, also arose. The nature of ghost cars varies greatly depending on the myth and the place. They are generally vehicles owned by the spirits of deceased people who died inside a vehicle or due to a traumatic situation with it. Interesting. I've never, uh, like, written a ghost car myself, and I kind of want to do a little research and yeah. try and write. Apparently a lot of different witnesses for that. So. Yeah. And that was his vehicles, too. People have seen ghost trains, ghost planes, ghost ships. <laughs> I've never heard of a ghost train, and that sounds fascinating. Like, ghost ship I've heard of, ghost cars I've heard of. Planes, I guess I haven't really heard of either, but a ghost train sounds wild. Any sort of vehicle? Like, are they on, like, like do ghost trains just appear anywhere, or is it, like, specifically on a track? I'm not sure. I I'd imagine into they it, appear specifically on a track. That's probably. A, yeah. That's super interesting. Basically, any I sort of vehicle. I didn't realize they were are, so common. There like, are ghost versions of it that people have yeah. seen, so. I didn't realize ghost vehicles were such a common occurrence, not only in, like, horror, um... Sorry, I'm trying to bend my leg because it's kind of mad at me. Not only in horror, but also in real life. Um, yeah, I'll definitely drop... I'm going to drop the um, the Wikipedia and Monster Fandom links in. I keep doing this pointy finger thing, uh, <laughs> where I'm like pointing downward like you guys can see me. Uh, and I think it's a leftover from the days when I actually had a YouTube channel and I did, like, <laughs> unboxing videos. You should post one of those. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would, um, always, when I'd be like, it'll be down in the description, you know, <laughs> and I'd point downward. But yeah, I will, I will include those links in our show notes. So if you guys can check them out yourself, because that's really interesting. 
the stuff with the ghost planes makes me think of like the Bermuda Triangle. Oh yeah. There's a lot of crazy stories about that. Oh yeah, that's a whole that's a whole nother beast to get into. Um but yeah. So getting back into the episode, the boys are gonna go hunt themselves a ghost truck. Dean tells Cassie to stay in the house. This is a great scene. He's like, you're going to stay here. And she's like, don't tell me what to do. And he's like, please stay here. <laughs> I love it. love it so much. Um, that specific line uh, prompted me to write a, f- a, a very, very not safe for work fanfic. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that tells you how much I like that line. Um, but from here, the boys go to the swamp where I think... Um, I think they got the, the exact location of it from Audrey, Cassie's mom. And they go to the swamp and they steal a backhoe and dredge up Do they the steal truck. It? I'm assuming they stole it. <laughs> I don't right. know who would rent a truck or a backhoe this time of night. Where do they find a backhoe this time of night? Um, to sw- if random this- farm somewhere? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, maybe it was left on, um, I th- I I'm not sure... I'm not 100% on this, but it's possible that the section of swamp that the truck was in is, like, close to the land that the mayor had bought, the Dorian's mm, land, and, and if there was, stuff. if they bulldoze stuff, there's probably a backhoe hanging True. around, you know, so it's potentially they took that one, but yeah, they got a backhoe somewhere, and they use it to pull the, um, truck out of the water, um, and then they... They douse it in so much gasoline. Cyrus is in there. And light it on fire. They're both like, ugh. Oh yeah, their faces when they open that that door and find the the body is so great. Um, But yeah, as soon as they burn the body, though... I feel like that only works about 1% of the time. (laughs) Ghost Chuck appears. Honest to God. Uh, I think of all the ghost episodes we've had so far, only once. It's worked once. once. (laughs) In Asylum, right? Yes. Yeah. Only once in... We are now on episode 13. <laughs> Only yeah, once there's been has a lot Burning of ghosts the Bones so actually worked. <laughs> Gones... G- Gones. Gones. <laughs> Gones. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> ghosts are the most common monster in Supernatural. There's actually... Let me find the, the wiki lore page about them. No, no, no. Vengeful spirits. Here we go. That's what I wanted. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Look at that. There's a long list of them. Ghosts. Here we go. That's what I want. Um, ghosts are. <laughs> it's so many episodes. So many. Look at all these. Look at this long a list. Lot in season one too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, ghosts are, I think season, season one has one of them, um, we only have one more ghost episode after this one. Huh, interesting. Hmm. Um, I think season eight has the lowest number of ghost episodes. Um, yeah, cause season eight only has one. (laughs) One singular ghost. <laughs> Lonely ghost. In a whole up, in a whole whole uh, season, I think season one has, if not the the most ghosts, 
but one of the highest like ghost counts um but yeah ghosts are the most common um, so supernatural you think salting being. and burning would work more often. Honest to God. Uh, <laughs> I guess I that even, wouldn't be as interesting. The next ghost that we meet is in episode 19 in Providence, and they don't get to salt and burn the bones in that one either. <laughs> Dean has to burn the doll, because <laughs> the, the body's already been song. cremated. <laughs> I just don't remember what that was. That's the one with the ghost little girl in the painting. Oh, is it the cursed painting one? It's not a cursed painting, but it's a painting linked to a ghost. Or I guess it is kind of a curse painting. Yeah, because whoever has it dies, right? Yeah, yeah, but the I would ghost call that isn't go- a curse. But painting. the ghost isn't specific. It's okay. We're not gonna get into Providence <laughs> while we're covering Route Six Six Six. But yes, you were correct. Out of I think like eight episodes that involve ghosts in season one, only one time has actually salt has salting and burning the body actually worked, and it's not this time. It was <laughs> last time. Dean, uh, Dean gets in the Impala to lure the truck away, and he tells Sam to figure out how to burn the truck. Spoiler, Sam doesn't burn the truck. (laughs) Instead, Sam calls Cassie for some information he needs it fast, and he needs it to be absolutely 100% correct. Um, I love this, this Sam moment. Absolutely love this. This is one of my favorite things that Sam gets to do. A lot of quick thinking. (laughs) Very quick thinking. Um, he calls Sam, and he gets Dean's information... And he starts directing him. He finds out exactly where Dean is. Uh, And he directs him um, down a side road. And the move Dean pulls to to turn left here is sweet. Because he slams on the... He, like, dodges to the side and slams on the brakes so the truck goes past him. And Uh then he turns. Yeah. It's really... It's it's a pretty slick move. Um, And also it is extremely convenient that Dean's odometer is at zero uh, Very convenient. when Dean starts going down this road because Sam tells him to go exactly seven-tenths of a mile. Like, and how would you measure that when you're, like, concentrating going so fast? Like, how do you keep an eye on that? That'd well, be crazy. Well, your odometer. I know, but still. Because um, it has the the miles you've driven, and then it's counting up Yeah, I know. each tenth. It'd just be hard <laughs> to keep track when you're trying to drive with a monster truck behind you. Yeah, he bought himself a little time though when he... He did, And he just has to keep an eye on it and watch it go up to seven, and it is extremely convenient that 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 tenths marker was at zero. Yeah, it would have been more difficult had it not been at zero. If it had been at like four, (laughs) he would have had to wait for it to get to one. Like, (laughs) we've watched Dean count on his fingers. Dean's very smart, but I'm not sure how good he is at quick math, especially under a lot of pressure. (laughs) I mean, I guess we would have found out, but no, it's really more convenient for the story that it was at zero. <laughs> um, and exactly at seven tenths, Dean flips a U-turn and stops in the middle of what we can see as some old ruins. I'm not really sure if Dean can see them. We don't really get a look from inside the car, but it looks like like corners of like a crumbled brick building. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truck is coming down the road and it stops and it kind of stares mm-hmm. at him. I love this moment, and it's just a stare down of big car versus short but still big car, <laughs> like, and then it charges, and then right as it reaches Dean, it just disappears. Yeah, like in a puff of like it. I think it's kind of like a smoke effect a little bit. It just like dissolves, and Sam's still on the phone with Dean. He's like, Dean, are you alive? <laughs> Let me see if I can find this bit in the um transcript because it's fucking phenomenal i may just include the audio in the episode 
because it's my favorite. Um. Uh, where is it? Keep going down. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um. Going. Oh yeah, he turns right and then he turns left. Um, and then he goes seven times the mile. The truck dissolves. Where is it? And Sam says, "You still there, Dean?" And Dean's like, "Where did it go?" And Sam says, "Dean, you're where the church was. What church? The place Cyrus burned down and murdered all those kids. <laughs> There's not a whole lot left." <laughs> Sam says, "Church ground is hallowed ground, whether the church is still there or not." evil spirits cross over hollow ground sometimes they're destroyed so i figured maybe that would get rid of it and then dean gets a little pissed reasonable uh maybe maybe <laughs> you were wrong and then we get like, this is adorable huh that thought honestly that thought hadn't occurred to me <laughs> dean hangs up that honestly it didn't occur to me I'm, I'm gonna, gonna kill, kill him. him. <laughs> so good. So good. Such a good moment. I love this moment. It's one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, this is where we learn about hallowed ground, which doesn't come up very often. Yeah, it's not a very important. They've never before. mentioned that before. I don't think. No, they don't mention it. They haven't mentioned it before, and they don't really mention it since. I think it gets mentioned briefly at the end of season one, um, with Meg. But that's kind of it. But yeah, this is one of my favorite brother interactions. <laughs> so good. Some very quick thinking on Sam's part. <laughs> I would be pissed too. I would honestly. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Gonna kill him. <laughs> yeah. Alright. So, from here we go to the next morning. Dean uh, is saying goodbye to Cassie. She says it's a better goodbye than last time. And Dean says, well, maybe this time it'll be a little less permanent. And she says she's a realist and doesn't see much hope for for them. <laughs> Dean's trying to be a little... He's, he's trying to be more ho upbeat and positive. He says, I've seen stranger things happen a hell of a lot stranger. Uh, and Cassie just says goodbye, Dean. Um, she says, don't be a stranger. Does she? Or something like that. Like it's not included in the transcript, where he says I'll see you around or something. He says I'll see you, Cassie. I will. Oh yeah. Um, but no, we won't see Cassie ever no. again. Sorry, we don't. Spoiler. But yeah, Sam drives as they leave. For some reason. Yeah, Sam gets to drive. Oh, I think it's because Dean's tired. <laughs> Sam asks if meeting someone like Cassie makes Dean wonder whether things, whether what they do is worth it. Um, and Dean doesn't, Dean doesn't give Sam an answer. He just puts his sunglasses on and tells Sam to wake him up when it's his turn to drive. And that is the end of our episode. So we end with, uh, Can't Find My Way Home by Blind Faith, if you're watching the, the DVD version. Um, or Line of Love by The Miners if you're on Netflix, but, yeah. That is the end of our episode. Of what is a good episode. Yeah. That's it pretty gets, good. Like I said at the beginning, it gets a lot of 
uh, a lot of judgment from the fandom. Um, but I really liked what my friend said about it, about it, the specific, like, race, or ghost vehicles are a common horror trope, like, as you discovered, and the idea of, you know, a racist white man in a truck getting away with murders is not that far-fetched. No. It's, and it is scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if they weren't, like, racist murders, it still wouldn't be that far-fetched. No, just Cause, like, serial killers in a truck. Serial that killers get away... They... They get away with a lot, you know? Yeah. They get... It's not uncommon for serial killers to go years or even decades without being caught and sometimes it's not even because they're especially good at what they're doing sometimes it's you know just police failure not no no contact between jurisdictions and stations and people not communicating that there is something going on you know and things have improved over time Mm-hmm. Especially because there are systems, like the FBI has a database where you can input um, the details of a case and it will connect, it'll like tell you if there are other cases that include um, similar specifics um, that have like like the, the same MO and stuff like that, victim profiles, things like that. But even now, like it's really not that uncommon for officers to not input the details of cases. So, like, even now, a case like this, a case like Cyrus, you know, what Cyrus is doing would go unsolved. But you add, you add in the racist, the, you know, the racism aspect, and it's even more believable. This is, <laughs> it is, you know. Yeah. This, this is a case, this is an episode that is actually really grounded in reality. And I, part of me wonders if that's why, um, part sections of the fandom don't like it as much if it's too real that's <laughs> why so i don't listen to true crime <laughs> I, yeah 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 it's too real but, i don't like it um but i mean it's like um something my one of my writing or my writing professor i only have one says is um fiction has to make sense mm-hmm. you know and sometimes... There's always some real aspect of fiction. Yes. Fantasy. Yes. And sometimes if it gets too real for people, you know, because people come to fiction wanting an escape from reality. And unfortunately, topics like racism and uh, stuff like that can be... They disrupt the escapism. I'm putting quotation marks around that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can see why people... I think it's a combination of wanting an escape, but also in fiction you do want to feel like a real life connection to it, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's kind of what Sherry touched on. With it's a, kind of with a, a weird predominantly balance. white fandom. It's a weird balance they, between fantasy and reality. Yeah, but. a predominantly white fandom doesn't have as strong of a connection to a story about racism as the people of color in the fandom would. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do also think, like, there is also like a kind of like with bugs like people are like oh that's a terrible episode you know because people and don't so like people, bugs that's why <laughs> yeah yeah or like um wendigo and people say for years and years oh that's a bad episode and so then people go into the show with these preconceived notions about specific episodes and then like they keep that opinion that they have learned already 
this is a bad episode. And it's when you sit down and go, okay, let's just watch this episode as it is, that you go, no, this is an episode that has some real powerful um, stuff in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like we said, it's definitely not, it's not faith. <laughs> it's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's not when to go. It's, it's not, not one of them, maybe home. more. Well, I mean, there are parts of it that really were, but well there were written. parts of it that were really good. Yeah, I'd say maybe as a whole, it's not as well written as like some other but, ones, yeah, like Faith. Yeah. But it has its really it has strong its good parts. Moments. Yeah, yeah. Dean and Cassie have some amazing like conversations, interactions. It's really, it's always really interesting when Dean opens up, especially when he opens up to someone who's not Sam, because. Um, mm-hmm. He has a hard time opening up to Sam sometimes. Sometimes I think Sam... I wonder if the boys, being as close as they are, makes it difficult for them to open up to each other. Um, that it's like they're too close. But something we'll have to maybe consider as the show goes on. It's kind of like... Um, but, yeah, we get... Sometimes it's easier to talk to... A stranger on the like internet. Like a therapist, you or know? a therapist. That has, like, no personal connections to you than it is to talk yeah, to, like, your best yeah. friend or your parent because mm-hmm. they have these biases and these... They've yeah. known you your whole life, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. easier to talk to a stranger about it sometimes. And, like, Cassie <laughs> definitely isn't a stranger. Yeah. But there is a bit of a disconnect. Well, they haven't seen each other in how from long? From Cassie... Between Cassie and Sam. You know, the relationships are very different. Like, yes, Dean dated Cassie... But, you know, for Dean, dating someone is a very different emotional attachment than little brother. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Sam is not just Dean's little brother. Sam is Dean's whole world. So there is a very different relationship going on there. And there is a bit of a... I I do agree, you know? There is a bit of a... A distance, yeah, from Cass between Cassie and Dean's life. Even if he did open up to her in ways, you know, she's still, he's still even even as he does open up to her in this episode, he's still holding her at a distance. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's so yeah, it's really it's it is really interesting when we get characters that allow the boys to open up in a way they don't usually. Um, I also I do really do love the the scene or the sequence where we learn um about like what happened in the 60s with Cyrus and mm-hmm. Martin and all those people when Cassie's mom tells her that actress does a really really good job with it mm-hmm. she puts a lot of emotion into her performance it's, it's, it's well done yeah it's a really a really deep raw scene that's really very well performed um but yeah, this isn't a masterpiece of television, but I do think it gets a lot of shit from people who aren't able to connect to the real fears behind it. Um, and obviously it is also an episode about racial issues written by two white people <laughs> <laughs> who have a history within the fandom of not writing very good TV, but honestly I think Route 666 is one of their best episodes that Buckleyning has written. done. I which, can't... I can't compare because I haven't gotten to season seven yet, yeah. which is apparently when they well, wrote their next episode. But <laughs> um, I will, I will encourage you to not look at the writers once we get to season seven. <laughs> okay. I I try and do that when I'm 
watching, especially when the show was airing live. Yes, especially when the show was airing live, I would make a point not to pay attention to who the writer was because I didn't want to go into an episode with a bias of, oh, this was written by a writer I really like, or, oh, this was written by a writer I don't really like, you know, I don't, I don't, I try not to place that bias when I'm watching something, especially when I'm watching something for the first time, so, but yeah, I think that's Route 666, I have talked a lot, do you have anything else you wanted to say, my love? Uh, (laughs) no, I don't think so. Yeah? Mm -hmm. This is a good episode. Alright, so next week we are going to be covering um, episode 14, Nightmare, and this is an excellent, excellent episode. Uh, It's very Sam-centric, and I'm very excited about it. So we get to delve a little bit more into Sam's visions and stuff, and Mm -hmm. ah, I'm super psyched. What is this poster in the wiki? Getting back to that meta plot a little bit. Yep, yep, getting back to... <laughs> oh, we found uh, the the, um, the Super Wiki has a, a poster, and it says, Sam discovers that he has more in common with a killer than his own family. I don't think so that's he, how I describe the episode, but okay. Right after a fresh Gilmore, Gore- Gilmore yes, Girls, It's too. a picture of, of, <laughs> of Jared as Sam... Uh, Jared, who played Dean on Gilmore Girls, and it says, you know, fresh new episode, Supernatural, the D- the WB Tuesday, 9pm, right after a fresh new Gilmore Girls. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, they used fresh new twice on the same poster. <laughs> yes, they did. It's, it's a great picture of, of Sam, but it's... <laughs> the editing is a little, it's a little funny. But yeah, that is the episode we're going to be covering, and I'm pretty excited about it, because I really like this episode. That's a good one. I, I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Whenever we watched it last together. Did we? Yeah. I don't think we did. Yeah, we did. I think the first episode I watched with you was the Ghost Facers one. No. We started in season one, remember? Yeah. Because I'd only watched half of But there's of a Ghost Facers one. one in season one. There is? Uh-huh. No, there isn't. It's, yeah, it's, um, or no, maybe it was the Benders. I think the Benders might have been the first one I'm pretty one we sure watched we watched. Together. I don't I watched think, it with someone. I think you watched it with Sarah. Because you didn't watch it with me. I'm pretty sure Benders. I didn't Benders. watch it alone, I know that. <laughs> Hell House. Hell House is the one where we meet the Ghost Facers. Um, I'm pretty sure The Benders was the first one we watched together. Huh. Um, I love The Benders. It's a good one. I think it's a great episode. It's scary. It genuinely freaks me out. So, yeah. But yes, next week we're covering Nightmare. And okay. I'm very excited. Alright. I think that's all for this episode. Yeah. Um... Uh, if you want to send us your thoughts on this episode, I would really love, especially, I'm, I don't, I don't know if we have any listeners of color out there, but I would really love to hear your thoughts on this episode, if we do. Or just, even if you're, you know, not a person of color, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode in general. We'd we'd like to hear some comments. We haven't really gotten much, We'd love to get some feedback from you guys. It'd be, I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys. Um... You can find the podcast on Twitter at Talk About Sam Pod. We're on Instagram at We Need to Talk About Sam Podcast. And we're on Tumblr at We Need to Talk About Sam. You can also email us at We Need to Talk About Sam at gmail.com. Um, if you want to contact me specifically, I'm Lil Red Who Could on Twitter and The Little Red Who Could on Tumblr. Haley, where, can the, where are you on the internet? <laughs> I'm on Twitter um, at Life Flows On 3. 
and Tumblr at hfthoughts-blog. I don't know why I said internet that way, but... (laughs) (laughs) Too late. Can't take it back now. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Boom. Done. I'm sorry, it's a what? Velociraptor fetus. Oh, oh, it's like a, like people do with like um, pig fetuses and stuff. Where they like, yes. Where they put them in a jar. Yeah. There's a Dilophosaurus. He's so cool. I actually made a presentation Ooh. about Dilophosaurus. Really? Once. It'd be in cool. elementary school. Um, and I remember there being a specific, I made a specific note in my presentation that despite uh, their portrayal in the Jurassic Park movies, they do not act, they did not actually spit venom. I think at the time it was, I don't remember if they have since discovered they did spit venom, but Look at the Velociraptors. These are cool, babe. These are cool. I like dinosaurs. There's a baby one. Oh, there's a (gasps) Triceratops. There's a baby Triceratops! Aww. That's cute. Aww. It's a one. Let me scroll. Thirty fifth scale museum class replica. <clears throat> His name is Hazelnut. Hazelnut the baby triceratops. He's cute. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Look at the little tail. Oh, <laughs> he's cute. Yeah, you cannot. Let, let go of the scroll thing. Whoa! I forgot you have a touch screen. Yeah, he's four inches long. Okay. That's cute. Haley is on bigbedtoystore.com. I didn't know we started the recording. I only started a few minutes, like not even a minute ago. She's looking at the dinosaurs. Rebor. This is the website that you got um, my Sam off of, right? This is my my go-to action figure site. Yeah. (laughs) Sam is actually behind the laptop if you want I think he is quantum mechanics. You want me to get him? Yeah, he's he's a QM. he's a QM Mini Masters oh, figure. Pages. They have a, a Mini Masters Dean, but he honestly looks so weird. I haven't seen him, which is really funny because um here, look at this one. Ooh. Let me find it. These are cool. I kind of want to collect these now, too. <laughs> Ooh, look, they have a jumping one. It's sold out, Ooh, though. Ooh, cool. Um, here we go. Okay. So, <laughs> the, the QM Mini Masters Dean figure. Here you go, babe. Oh. His face That's doesn't look bad. too bad. It's the proportions Whoa. of Why it. Why is his head so big? <laughs> The proportions and the positioning, something about the proportions and the way he's positioned is, is that just, just the way the picture is looks just or? weird. Like his, his legs look way too big. His legs look so short, um, compared. Like <laughs> yeah, like comparing. The... Sam's proportions are really well done. 
And the face sculpt is pretty good. Yeah. Which is surprising because, um, Jared, of the two of them, Jared's the most often gets, um, shafted when it comes to face sculpts. He has a, Jared has a slightly unusual bone structure, I guess, and... Is he also carrying the... He's carrying EMF. the EMF meter, yeah. yeah. Dean is carrying a duffel bag and the first blade, which Haley doesn't know what the first blade is, but anyone who has is seen he the majority the first of the show... Blade too? No, he's carrying um, the demon knife. Oh. Ruby's knife. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyone who's seen uh, the entirety of the show, or most of the show, probably knows what the first blade is. But yeah, the proportions of him are all weird and wrong, and it, it, it confuses me. He is like, um... Yeah, his head is way too big and his legs are way too short. His, yeah, it's, it's weird. I do like, though, that they included the height difference between Jared and Jetson in the Mini Masters figures. Yeah, they did. Because Sam is exactly five inches tall, and Dean is 4.8. <laughs> do they have a cast one, too? Um, they, if they do, it's not listed. I also have the this one. That's like the Hot Toys version. This one. If um, anyone knows what Hot Toys are, they're basically like the premier one six scale action figures you can collect. Yeah. They're twelve inches tall, like spot on um, likeness to the actors. Yeah. This 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 A, is gazillion the, um, accessories everything, but they're the, expensive. The QM one six scale articulate figure for Dean looks really good. Like, the proportions on that are it's much better. It's also $200, so. It's also $200 <laughs> and sold out. Um, I think I have a Sam one of these, but I'm not sure. I'm a action figure uh, collector and, he's, and kind of a nerd, so. He's 12 and a half inches tall. But yeah. Um, I, I feel like they have a Sam version. A Sam of the... I'm sure they do, but I haven't seen it for sale anywhere. Masters. I thought they did, and... <laughs> you can buy an anti-possession symbol doormat. These are so cute. I have the Sam one. <laughs> the Q-Pals plushes. I have the Sam one, and they're adorable. But Cass's face is my favorite. Look at his little dumb face. <laughs> also, they have Dean in his uh, coach outfit and Crowley. I love the Crowley listing. And the Dean, the coach Dean listing. Here, let me open it. Because, um... And they only did it for these two. They edited them. They edited the plush into a screenshot from the show. <laughs> it's my favorite. They yeah, did one. a little demon. Look, trap. they they did one for Coach Dean too. Look at him with his little Aww. dodgeballs. That's so cute. <laughs> and he looks so tidy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is that? They have two different... Oh, they have an anti-possession doormat and a devil's trap doormat. The devil's trap one They have that on Big Bad Toy Store, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think you can also get it off of Amazon. Probably. Um, but yeah, Haley is on Big Bad Toy Store, which is the website that she used to buy yeah, my... Yeah, there it is. My QM Mini Masters. Oh, they have the official Supernatural cookbook on... Yes, they do. It's on I pre-order. that's so bad. Hey, I have that note card set. You do? I don't have that tarot deck, but I, I have, have some friends. That's cool. I have some friends who actually do have it. Oh, this is back in stock now. Hmm. That was out of stock for a long time. Postcard collection. I have that trivia game. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's a new one. The mug? Yeah. It's a bit busy for my taste. I have that spiral notebook. <laughs> 
hardcover rule of journal, John Winchester's. I almost ordered a few of these for Valentine's Day, but they were at, weren't in stock. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they have the mist the 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 um Funko Mystery Minis. Yeah, they're sold out though. I have three of those up on my shelf. I have Crowley, Kevin, and Dean. <laughs> this looks cool. The poster collection. That's also sold out though. I want the bestiary so bad. The bestiary is really cool. Hey, what's this? Oh, um, that is so Is that the thing you ordered? My mom ordered it for me actually. Uh, I think she spent less than that. But hey, I didn't know so, they would actually um, have it on this. That's cool. Um, what's his name? Jeremy something? Uh, yeah, Jeremy Wanak, I think. He was the production designer for the entirety of Supernatural, and he took pictures of every single set that he designed. So the production job... Jo the pro bleh, Okay, go try that one again. The production designer's job on set is they, they design and coordinate the putting together of all of the sets that are used in the production of a show. Um, and that includes, like, if they're going to a location. Um, huh, that's cool. If they're going to a location, they will take pictures of the location when they arrive, and then they'll take their part. Sometimes people, like, if you, um, like, if you let a production rent, like, a house to film, they could produce things as far as um painting the walls they they go all out sometimes um if necessary and so it's the production designer's job to they're the head of the production team and it's their job to coordinate all of that and to make sure that everything gets put back together the way it originally was um but he took pictures of every single set for 327 episodes of tv and at the end of every season, he compiled books that he would give to, um, like, Jared and Jensen and... Yeah, um, season one. Yeah, season yeah. Season 15. <laughs> he, compiled, he compiled these books that he would give to Jared and Jensen. Um, I think Mark and Misha probably got some. Uh, the showrunners, writers, um, crew, certain crew members and stuff like that. And he compiled all 15 seasons worth of pictures into one book <laughs> and um my mom got me the i think the second run of it because the first one was pre-order and then it sold out what run is this one um i don't know if it's second or but my mom went through the um the insight website that it was insight editions that's what the website my mom went through so, but like, she got, like, the second run of it, like, they pre-ordered, sold out, had, you know, shipped and stuff, and then set up a second pre-order. Um, this is probably the second one, because the estimated arrival is June. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, my mom ordered it for me for my birthday, and I'm very, very, very excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's also got behind-the-scenes pictures, it's got a note from Andrew Dabb, who was the showrunner for the final four or five seasons. I think he came on on season 11 or... I don't know if it was 11 or 12. Um, I think it was 11. 
So. Jerry Womack. 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 I can't read that small writing, but. It's very tall. Very tiny on the picture. But yeah, it's. Looks cool. I'm excited to look I'm through very, it with you when I'm you get it. Very, very excited. <laughs> I guess I have to avoid spoilers. Yeah, yeah. You can only see the first three, three seasons. seasons. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll show you pictures when it's when it's ready. Cool. I know you were wanting to get that. I'm very excited. I also really, 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 really want I have the um the page open still so I don't lose it. I really want the complete series D V D box set. The, like, the collector one. Yes. Uh, it's up for pre-order right now. Um, it will arrive, or the release is the 25th. Do you have to pay it up front? Because mm-hmm. some pre-orders you don't have to pay until it gets in stock. I don't know. But I am. that is my next, like, saving goal for DoorDash, <laughs> is to be able to pre-order. Um, but it includes... The the Amazon listing doesn't have all the details, but someone went into the reviews and dropped the details. So it has um, 58 discs. Um, so 57 of the like episode discs and one bonus disc, I guess. Uh, has subtitles. It features approximately 13,716 minutes of footage. Wow. And another 3,226 minutes of bonus content, or enhanced content, and the bonus sticks has approximately 164 minutes of content on it. So, uh, yeah. It also has a 68-page collectible book filled with new images from the series, set designs, and letters to the Supernatural family from both Kripke and Robert Singer. Kripke, for those who don't know, is the creator of the show, and Robert Singer has been a executive producer, or I think he, um, dropped down to, like, executive, um, like, consultant for a season before coming back on as an executive producer. But yeah, like, the box set that it's in is fucking gorgeous, and I just, I want it so bad. <laughs> I just want it. Oh. Uh, but Yeah. I'm very excited. And I have the Amazon pre-order page open in Google Chrome still, so that I don't lose it. Because it's really hard to find. Like, it took me forever to even find the pre-order page. It was really ridiculous. The the Blu-ray pre-order page I found easy, and then from there. But when I went to the Blu-ray page originally, like, they were two separate pages, and they weren't linked together. Do they have the now same... Now it's linked together. They're not the same price. The Blu-ray's $10 more. I mean, do they look... Have, like, the same cover and stuff? Yeah, and the, the difference is the... Yeah, yeah. The difference is the Blu-ray is Blu-ray, and yeah. it has the, like, the little Blu-ray logo along the top, which, honestly, I hate. It's part of why I don't have any Blu-ray DVDs that I know have a Blu-ray player. But I hate the Blu-ray logo across the top of a DVD case. It drives me crazy. I don't really care either way. It's <laughs> my PlayStation just plays both DVDs and Blu-rays, so yeah, I don't you care don't which care what version disc I get. You get. <laughs> um, I don't have a Blu-ray player, and I hate the addition of the Blu-ray logo. It's the DVD version of when they put the Netflix thing on the cover of a book, which I actually got. Um, I got a paperback copy of Six of Crows, 
on Sun just yesterday, actually. Yeah. And it has the, like, the Netflix, this is now a Netflix show sticker thing on the front, but it's not actually a sticker. And so I'm just like, they just they just stuck it on the cover. It, it's just part of the cover design, and it drives me crazy. It's better than having, um, <laughs> like, the movie cover. Or oh, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I have, my Aragon book is stuck with the Aragon is, movie cover. the movie cover. I think, I actually think, <laughs> hang on, take my keyboard. I bought it back in, like, 2007 when the movie came out, so yeah. that's why, but... <laughs> Let me... I have. Are all of them? Are all three of them movie covers? Oh god! <laughs> Just running to my desk. <laughs> this one is. Which books do I even have? And this isn't even Lord of the Rings. I. <laughs> Lord of the Rings I wouldn't mind as much because those were actually good movies. Okay, yes, that's true. <laughs> when Aragon, the movie was not a good movie. Oh, God. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, we had a trip this weekend. Yeah. We went down to St. George, um, went to Zion National Park, and we went sort to, of. um, we went to Snow Canyon <laughs> State Park, which was really cool. I'd never really been there cool. before. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zion was a bit of an adventure because, so, it Zion- didn't turn out the way we were planning it. Yeah, yeah. Zion is the most popular park in Utah. Which I didn't know. You didn't know that? <laughs> no. Oh, it's by far the most popular park in Utah. Um, and, and in, I think, July of 2020, they changed the shuttle system. Which we did not know about. Yes, which we didn't know. Because last time I was there, it was all the same. Yeah, last, it, they, it changed since the last time you've been there. Um, they changed it so that you have to reserve a time to initially take the shuttle. Yes, it is because of COVID, because they didn't change it until July of 2020. Um... And so they have, like, a certain number of tickets for every time slot, and you have to sh- be at the visitor center during that time slot. Um, and so then, we did not get tickets in advance. Well, we didn't know. <laughs> because we didn't know. <laughs> yes. Um, but you, you have to go to the visitor center during that time slot, and as long as you are there within that time slot, you can take your initial shuttle into the park, and then you can get on and off the shuttle wherever within the park um, until for the rest of the day. So, and it's only a dollar, but you have to buy them in advance, and they sell out really super quick. So fast. And so I actually tried to get a ticket for Sunday once I realized that's how it worked, and it sold out, like, legit in the 12 minutes that I didn't have cell signal (laughs) um, after the tickets went on sale. They were gone. The whole day. we're talking about 200 tickets an hour. 200 tickets an hour, and, like, eight time slots. So that's... 200 times 8. <laughs> 16, 1,600 tickets gone in not even 15 minutes. Which is insane. Yeah. It was wild. I wonder if some of them probably were pre-bought, too, so you can pre-reserve know. them. I but. don't know. Um, but yeah, so we are going to try and make another Zion trip 
sometime later this year. We still got to go into the park yes, and take yes. the scenic drive, which still had a few hikes on it. Yeah, there's, so, when you go to Zion, there is, there's, like, the Park Visitors Center, and that's where the shuttle buses pick up from, um, and, but you can drive further up the road, and then it forks, and there's the scenic route, the, or the scenic Just for clarification, there is an on-season and off-season for the shuttle. Yes, I'm explaining. (laughs) There's the scenic drive, I think is what they call it. Yeah. And during, between March and November, it's shuttle only. Um, so between, ab- when, during the off season for the shuttles, you can drive up there yourself. Yeah. But during March and, between March and November, it's shuttle season and only the shuttles are allowed up there and like employee vehicles. I bet you that, that car that we saw going up there is an employee vehicle. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then, or you can, so left takes you up scenic drive, um, to all the main hikes, Angel's Landing, the Narrows, Emerald Pool, all of those. Weeping Rock. Weeping Rock, yeah. And then, but to the right is um, Highway 9, I think. It's like, was it Caramel Drive or something like that? Mount Caramel, something, yeah. And you, you like, weave back and forth, and it's, it's really, really pretty. pretty, really pretty canyon with red rock. And then um, there was actually... Um, Originally takes you carved by the Virgin River, which is really cool. Takes you through and this cool you, tunnel. Yeah, and then you go through the historic um, Zion Mount Caramel Tunnel, which is like it's like my, uh, 1.3 miles long or something like that. It, it feels, feels very long. Feels very long. <laughs> there's it's no, very dark. There's no lights in it. Yeah, they, they just cut out a few windows. Yeah, there's but... like at specific points along the tunnel. There's like openings in the side of the mountain so you can see out into the canyon, which is really cool. Yeah. But yeah, and then like right, right outside the the other end of the tunnel is actually a trailhead, the canyon overlook which trail. Which I had no idea that there was trails on that scenic highway. So. Yeah. Um, babe found those. <laughs> I found it on the map. So yeah, we found a place to park and we did that trail. It was like a. It was a one hour, like about a one mile, mile yeah. one mile ish round trip. Yeah, round trip a mile. So. And it was, I think it took us like two, three hours because we stopped and. I don't think it was three hours. Well, maybe it was probably two. two, two, yeah. Because we stopped and ate lunch part way up. We took in the view for a while. Uh, and it was, it was gorgeous. Honestly, it was completely worth it. Honestly, one of the best hikes I've done in Zion, and I had no ex- idea it existed. Until it was an amazing hike. So it was you, absolutely stunning. If you do go to Zion, of course, I recommend, you know, taking the shuttle up and getting that whole experience, but also take a half a day and do the scenic um, highway. Yeah. You can see a lot the, of the park you don't normally get to see, and there's some fun hikes uh-huh. that not everyone knows it's, about. So. It's the road um, that actually leads to the other entrance, and actually, if you can, if we had continued down along that road <laughs> and kept going past that park entrance we would have eventually reached the grand canyon and bryce uh which we actually considered <laughs> but the we north, decided it goes to the north rim yeah yeah we decided it was just too long of a drive and we were not up for it and also so, that highway will take you to bryce national park as well yeah there's a couple different like splits off of it yeah um so yeah we are gonna make a dedicated trip to the grand canyon in the future but we we want to yeah. go this fall sometime so yeah very excited yeah, because neither but, of us have been. But yeah, it was. It didn't work out the way we originally planned. But honestly, that kind of made it better. Yeah, it made it memorable. Honestly, we tried some of the something best, um, neither views, of us have done. The best views of the whole park I got, oh, I've ever got to see. From it that. was absolutely stunning. That canyon. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And it then, actually takes you up on top of an arch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's like a... It's the something... The Great... Canyon Overlook Trail or something, right? Well, I'm trying to remember what the arch name is. Oh. Um... Uh, the Great Arch of Zion. Yeah. Yeah. Great it's not, Arch Zion. So it's, it's the Canyon Overlook Trail. It's not a true arch. It doesn't go all the way, like, through. Yeah, know, no. But... It's an arch forming. Yeah. But you get all... You end up on top of the arch, which is really cool. And you can overlook the whole highway. You can see... The tunnel. In, over the park. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely stunning. And it's really Highly not that hard of a hike either. No, so. no. I think it's listed as moderate. Yeah. Um, probably because of the distance. There's some, like, climbing up over Slick Rock and yeah, yeah. a few, like, on the edge of a cliff There's a kind few kind of drop-off-y but... areas, but most of them have a railing set up. Um, yeah, highly recommend. If you guys are ever going to the Zion, um, highly, highly recommend taking, yeah, like Haley said, a half a day and go th- up that part of the highway and you can through do the, the tunnel. drive in just a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Take time to And there's some, some out, there's some, like, viewpoint viewpoints, yeah. stops along the highway where you can pull off and take pictures and stuff like that. And if you continue all the way through, like I said, it, you'll reach the other entrance to the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really cool, uh, though. I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah, and then it was Snow Canyon really worth it. State Park was gorgeous, yes, too. Yes, yes. So, because we wanted to try and come back to Zion on Sunday and maybe do some of the little hikes, but because I couldn't get um, shuttle passes, we decided instead um, that we would just see what state parks were around, because there are actually a bunch of state parks down there, and we ended up going to Snow Canyon State Park. Which I had is been like, there before, so. Yeah, it was like 14 minutes from our hotel. Um, it's and yeah. close to Tuacon, the theater there mm-hmm. in St. George. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the one entrance and we drove all the way through. And then we drove back and stopped at Jenny's Canyon. Which, which is, is a little slot canyon there. Uh-huh. Really it's easy like hike. A, I think it's like a half mile round trip hike. And you go up a little hill into the canyon. And it's not like a complete canyon. Like you can walk all the way to the end of it. Mm-hmm. it it's not formed all the way through. Um... And that was really cool. And then we drove a little further and went to Pioneer Names, which is a very, very, I think it's like 500 feet or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not very far. <laughs> tiniest hike ever. Yeah, I mean, you can climb up, climb up to the names more, but it's a bit sketchy for me. It's a bit sketch, yeah. And especially since we didn't have the best of shoes. Yeah. So we didn't end up climbing up, but. But it's cool as um, some of the Mormon pioneers that settled the area. Uh, kind of graffitied the rock and wrote it in axle grease their name and the date and stuff so uh-huh. that's pretty cool it stayed intact for that long yeah yeah it's like over 100 years the old the spot that they um the spot that they wrote their names on is kind of it has a bit of a like an, a shelter over it it's like a part where like the rock wall goes inward and so there's like an outcrop that goes over it so it's protected from the elements for the most part. And yeah, it was, I love stuff like that because it just Humans makes, never change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are the same. It's like that graffiti about the bread in Pompeii or, you know, there is one I read about. It was like a, a couple of, um, like a group of Norse, um, Norse people who were like trapped in a cave or something during a storm. 
and like they just wrote all over the walls there's like one spot really up high that's like so and so reached this high and <laughs> stuff like that so and so slept with this person yeah you guys have got <laughs> like, to look up ancient graffiti it's really fun it's the funniest <laughs> it's the absolute funniest it's like some of our earliest writings are a like that we found and translated are um people giving this merchant bad reviews <laughs> Don't go to this guy. Just, One out of four stars. He's the worst. <laughs> like, I love it. I love it. Because we think of ancient peoples as being, like, specific ways, you know? Like, they're more... Uh, like, they're classier than us, or they're more primitive, or just this than yeah. that. But, like, people... Or they, they didn't have a sense of humor, or, man, you know? <laughs> people have always been people. And the stuff that gets written on high school bathrooms today is the same sort of stuff that got written on the walls of Pompeii. Like, exactly. <laughs> and it's the funniest. They would legit draw, like, We should look too. some up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm gonna look up my, ancient graffiti. One of my favorites from Pompeii is someone came out on, like, had a, wrote about his coming out <laughs> oh, gosh. as gay. It was great. You'll have to look it up. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, ooh, okay. So I just found ancientgraffiti.org. It's the Ancient Graffiti Project, a digital resource for studying the graffiti of Herculaneum and Pompeii. Okay, well, I gotta look at the Pompeii one. (laughs) Oh boy. What? How does this work? I don't know. Select. I don't know facades I don't know what I'm looking at oh there's like whole unexcavated sections hmm. oh can you click on the streets. little roman numerals there street sections streets try clicking on the actual letters or numbers I did a minute ago and here. I don't know what let me scroll up mm. okay Okay, okay, okay. So, we're gonna look by property. I'm gonna click on this one. Um, click on facades, street sections. I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't know how this works. (laughs) Here, let's go further. Featured graffiti. Here we go. Figural, figural graffiti, drawing of a horse. Oh. Uh, this example appears to be someone teaching another how to draw a boat with banks of oars. Messages and names were sometimes written in the shape of boats. It's the only known drawing of a camel from ancient Italy. What? That's cool. Food. <laughs> oh boy. Mine was received Ancient by the master. Ancient shopping lists and receipts. On the seventh day before the Ides of April. <laughs> On the eleventh day before the Calends, bread was made. Three days before the Nones, bread was made. <laughs> shopping lists, oh my gosh. Nuts, drinks, 14 coins. Pork rinds, three. Three loaves of bread, 51. Three cutlets, 12. Four thyme-flavored sausages, eight. <laughs> 
Uh, oh my gosh. Adan says, here a person can drink for a small dollar. If you hand over two, you will drink better. If you give four, you'll drink Falernian. <laughs> These are great. Let's see the fun graffiti. Let's go, let's go. Fun graffiti, oh boy. Here we go. Uh, the labyrinth, the Minotaur lives here. A drawing of a labyrinth is the middle of this graffiti. Oh, Minotaur lives here. <laughs> Ooh, if someone by chance has noticed the games of the serpent, which the young man Sepumius cleverly made, if you are an audience member at the theater or a fan of horse races, may you always and everywhere have the gods on your side. This message was written in the shape of a snake. <laughs> Sab Sabinus to Curvius. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It says the the names are written backwards. Oh. So it's like their code word. Fun. Let's see the Fun. love one. I wonder if the they, love one. they're coming oh, out. Boy. One is in that one. <laughs> Pompeii. Some highlights from Pompeii. We'll have to look at that one, too. Okay, so the love one. Sabina's handsome guy. <laughs> Hermeros loves you. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds gay to me. <laughs> that sounds very gay. Uh, a second person... Uh, lovers like bees lead a honeyed life. I wish. A second person seems to have written the second line. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Here, let's look at the Pompeii ones. <laughs> I am amazed, oh wall, that you haven't fallen into ruin since you hold the boring scribbles of so many writers. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> we peed the bed. I admit it, host. We messed up. If you'll ask me why, there was no chamber pot. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh my gosh. One says, long live the emperor. <laughs> I bet half of these were teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's look at some more. This is fun. Occupations and poetry. I'll say poetry too. Gladiators. Okay, let me open poetry too because I it's the last one. <laughs> the dry cleaner, Crescens, says hi to the innkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Crescens gives greetings to the dry cleaners here and everywhere. Crescens really had a thing for the dry cleaners. Crescens, the architect. Russians wrote a lot. I guess there was multiple <laughs> ones because uh, Priscus, the engraver to Campanus, the gem maker, wishing you well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how nice. <laughs> uh, we are cold. <laughs> That's a mood. This one's from Herculaneum. Oh, which is, I think, the um, the, the other, other one, city. One. Yeah. Like this, I think they got <laughs> hit first by the... Apollinaris doctor, slave of the emperor Titus, pooped well here. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we came, we came here to here, ha, ah, sorry. Let me, let me try that again. We came, we came here desiring, but now much more do we desire to go. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love We Are Cold. <laughs> Let me learn more about this. <laughs> oh, that's not very exciting. Oh, that's what it looks like. 
It shows you the actual graffiti oh. writing. <laughs> oh, it's along this wall. Cool. Yeah, picture. It's very faint. Okay, gladiators. Uh, a sketch of two gladiators fighting with these labels. Marcus Adeli Attilius, a novice, one. Hilarious gladiator from the Imperial Training School with 14 wins and 13 trophies lost. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing of a gladiator match. <laughs> the girl's heartthrob. The Thracian gladiator. Salatus of Octavius. Three wins, three trophies. Okay. Poetry. Here we go. Uh, I sing of arms and the man who first from the shores of Troy. It's the first line of Virgil's Aeneid. Uh, I sing of dry flowers and the dry cleaners and the owl, not arms and the man. <laughs> What's up with dry cleaners? I don't know. <laughs> whoever loves, may they be well. May he perish, whoever knows not how to love. Whoever forbids love, may he perish twice over. I like that. <laughs> whoever loves, may he come. I want to break Venus ribs with clubs and a incapacitate the goddess loins. If she can pierce my tender heart, then why can't I break her head with a club? Oh, someone has <laughs> some heartbreak. Someone has some heartbreak. <laughs> someone headed out for Venus. That's great. <laughs> I love I love it. It's so good. <laughs> About the project. This is the um the Ancient Graffiti Project is a digital resource and search engine for locating and studying graffiti of the early early Roman Empire from the cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum. Ancient graffiti comprise a special branch of epigra epigraphy. They differ from inscriptions on stone in several respects. An inscription on stone may be commemorative, dedicatory, sacred, but in almost all cases, forethought has gone into the preparation of the text and the inscribed monument. Graffiti, by contrast, are more often the result of spontaneous composition and are the handwritten creation of the man of the, on the street. Since graffiti are scratched into friable wall plaster, they are more easily perishable, but when they do survive, they are almost always found in situ, unlike many stone inscriptions that have survived in the present day through reuse. Cool. So it's a... I'll have to drop a link to this in yeah, really um, cool. the show notes for you guys so you guys can check it out. Um, I'm going to make sure I put this in the end of my notes so that it's here. I've always had a fascination with Pompeii and Herculaneum. I'd love to visit really there someday. That would be a really cool place to travel to. Yeah, now that we've spent <laughs> a good like 10 ish minutes talking about ancient graffiti. Should we talk about Supernatural? drinks are loud. <laughs> we got fizz. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty too. We got fizz today. Um, for anyone who's not a Utahan, fizz is one of the many soda places. It's it's sugar and more sugar. There's so many soda places in Utah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mormons fizz don't is... drink alcohol, so they compensate with soda. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I got, I got a pineapple upside down cake, which is Dr. Pepper 
two pumps of pineapple, and 14 pumps of cherry, apparently. Damn. <laughs> tell you how many... Oh, yeah, it does. And Haley got a lime ricky. Which is Sprite, a lime wedge, and 23 pumps of grape. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of grape. That's a lot of grape. It's good, though. It's really good. Um... But lime yeah, ricky is really good. It's it's soda with flavor syrup. I think lime ricky is an actual alcoholic it beverage. It is. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but this is the non-alcoholic version. <laughs> it's a soda version. But yeah, yeah. That's our that's our beverage of the night. If you hear um that sound, it's the rock ice that they use, like this. the pebble ice. <laughs> it's their. <coughs> you good? Yes. It's their pebble Sorry. ice. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I just don't want you to die on me. <laughs> That would suck. <laughs> it would suck.